You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday afternoon, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. And David, over the weekend, did you have a chance to sort of sit down and think? I mean, we, obviously that's all we can do these days, is sit down and think and do a bit of work and do a bit of writing and do a bit of personal I, reflection. What, what, are you, what are you thinking yeah. these days? Because you're, you're a great thinker. I, you know, this weekend, to be honest, I was kind of exhausted. I can't explain. Sometimes you Why? get to that point where, where there was just so much going on geopolitically and also from a, you know, a, an investment point of view. I'm not, I'm not bringing the market in. That's a, that's a whole other issue. But, yes. you know, to try and digest the, the protest that we were seeing, where was that going? Uh, Trump's attitude. I know we bring him in. And then to go to you all other to. parts of the world, you know, and you say, hold on a sec, I've had enough of this. I just said, you know, I, I don't want to pick up the economist. I don't want to pick up the financial times. I just want to chill out and kind of clear my head of, 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 uh, those articles because they tend to be repetitive. You know, they keep coming back with the same kind of message. Yeah. And I think sometimes you need to maybe take a few days off and, 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 and try and reflect what's happening. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's Monday and we're back into it again, trying to say, okay, <laughs> where's the next stop? You know, what's, what does this all mean? I think the big thing that, um, you know, markets, even if I look at the S&P now, it's, uh, it's above 3,200. We, yes. we're trying to digest. Hold on a sec. Okay. This is the markets are going up, but, but where's the next three, five, six months? You know, what's, what's going to happen there? You know, what's, what's, uh, what's the outlook there? And, and I'm having trouble. I'm thrilled that we are where we are and I like the market and I'm edging, you know, I'm putting money into the market, admittedly, in the same areas which are focused four to five years out. But I mean, I'm, I'm not sure where this all unfolds. And, and, and I'm talking particularly in the U.S. as we go into an election because it's getting very, very ugly now. It's getting horrible because uh, at, yeah. at, at the moment Joe Biden is on his way to a memorial service for George Floyd, the gentleman that was murdered yeah. by the Minneapolis policeman. And obviously that has now spread worldwide. Joe Biden is going there mm. and Donald Trump is obviously going to – he's going to say something inappropriate about the visit. Uh, he hasn't been well, – he hasn't been – even if he had said, I'd like to come, uh, they would have probably said no because he is the talisman for racism in America, justified he's or not. He's divided it, yeah. He's divided that country, and that's, mm. what's, that's what's so difficult. You know, in fact, you've got a country of two halves. Um, and, you know, he's, he is a divisive man. And I just read, you know, Colin Powell. I call him Colin Powell, but he's Colin Powell. Yes. Who I, I think is a very dignified man. You know, he was Minister of Defense under Bush. Yes, he was the general during, uh, he led the armed forces during, uh, uh George Bush Sr.'s, um, Iraq Middle War. East War. But hmm. Iraq War, yeah. And, um, you know, he's a dignified man. He's come out and said, you know, Trump's a liar. I'm going to vote for Biden. Now, he's a Republican. 
Yes. Now you must see, you know, then you get Trump's reply, which obviously is like a little boy hurt, you know. Uh, he says like he's stiff. I saw it. He yeah. says he's a stiff. Yeah. He, well, he said he's. You know, I, I can't believe it. You know, he used that word, and then he then he went on and he embellished his uh, Twitter feed by saying that mm. somebody else was a stiff as well. And he just called. He, he's obviously come across this word stiff, and suddenly he's using it because he like Law and Order because <laughs> he's been watching Fox News where they have a show called Law and Order. And now he's become the law and order president. He's very, very childish when it comes to that. But I saw Colin Powell. As you say, I call him Colin as well, even though his name is C-O-L-Y-N. They they call him Colin, yeah. But I saw him, and as you quite rightly said, he was very dignified about it. He may not have been Mm -hmm. the best defense secretary in the world, or whatever he was, secretary of state, I can't remember. But (laughs) since he's been retired, he's come out and he's said a few things which actually make a lot of sense and he said mm. he's not turning his back on the Republican Party but he's certainly not voting for Trump no. and George Bush no. is not going to vote for him as well No, no. this no, is a very no. dangerous situation well that's, that's, that's what I'm pointing at we don't know where it goes and, and you know if, if, if someone criticizes you or criticizes me and we all make mistakes we all do silly things and you think back and you reflect you know you reflect on the person you don't you don't you know, get into the sandpit with him and start daunting him and, you know, find a hammer and that. You just, sometimes you must listen to what people say about you and you must change. You know, that's, that's, that's what criticism and, and not Trump. If anything, it pushes him in the other direction. And, uh, whether, whether it gets his, uh, you know, whether it gets his support base up. But my point, what I'm coming to is as we get into the election, you're worried about what angle this is all going to take, you know, with a view to the American nation and also how this will reflect on the economy. It might be brushed aside. People might not, you know, might just uh, let it go. But uh, you have no idea what he might say in order to seek re-election and then have to fulfill those promises in the next four years. You know, that's, that, that, that to me is a scary you know, what scares me over the next few months um, in markets. And it's getting, it is getting, as we go by, you know, as days go by now, we get very, very ugly. Uh, you know, so, so, so the, we, we've lived through, I've lived through the 60s, the late 60s. I lived through the Vietnam War and the, and, and, you know, issues there when America was at its absolute low point. But it picked up, you know, picked up from there and, uh, uh, until Trump came along. And I think, um, I'm trying to think where else, maybe, maybe early days of Bush, the 203, you know, the, the Iraqi war there, number two. Um, I think also, uh, a, a lot of public opinion against them, but they picked up after that. This one, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where we go. So I'm saying when, when, when you ask me what I'm reflecting on, I'm just saying, oh, <laughs> we'll, You're fed we'll, up. Will we get? Well, yeah. Will we finally get some grown-ups coming to the party? You know, just someone who will speak up that we can actually support and 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 listen to. What do you think about the difference between what's happening in the stock market and other asset classes, and what's happening at ground level? Uh, because you know, your friend and mine, Wayne McCurry, always says, I like anecdotal evidence. And you've got a lot of anecdotal evidence because yeah. you're a gregarious character and you speak to people. <laughs> and you say, well, the redefine and uh, growth point mm. and everything have, have yeah. recovered yeah. enormously. But on the other hand, I've heard from this person that this is happening. Yeah. Uh, so you must say to yourself, yeah. well, this doesn't quite uh, this doesn't quite gel what I'm seeing. I'm no. hearing not in South Africa. If we if we turn into South Africa, definitely not. 
uh, anecdotally, the you know what I spoke to client of mine mm. today. I spoke to a chap I do business with, and he said today, he says we got a forty-eight percent reduction in rental with costs. Okay, in other words, the tenant, the landlord, wanting to retain the tenant, yeah, has renegotiated a lease at forty-eight percent lower. What sort Not of lease? A, 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 re- a retail lease or well, a personal yeah, lease or what? Yeah, sorry. It's a, it's, it's a business lease. Okay. So it's in an area close to us, Melrose Archish, you know, around there. Right. Uh, just up the road. There are quite a few office buildings uh, around where I am here at the Wanderers, and it's, it's somewhere there. It's, I, I would, it's how many? 20, 25 employees uh, around there that work there. So it's small, but still. For, if, if you're going to get a 48% reduction in rent, it shows you how desperate people are. Now, I'm not, I'm looking at it from his point of view. That's great. You know, so he negotiated reduction. it. Sorry to interrupt. Mm. He negotiated it rather than the landlord saying, we're going to reduce your rent. Please stay with no. us. Well, yeah. Um, I suppose a bit of both. <laughs> mm. you know, a bit of both. Knowing the length, the uh, lease was coming to an end. So that's, when I thought of it, I'm saying, hold on, okay, he's great for him. What about the landlord? What about the property-owning company? I've just looked now at uh, Fortress have come out with this trading update, mm. you know, and their rentals are, um, what's it, about 60%? Um, you know, call it, I'm just giving an average. They, 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 they're getting about 60% of their rentals for May and June and like this, it might increase as the markets open up. But the impact on their bottom line has to be significant. So you take this through to to property companies, there's got to be trouble. You know, there has to be issues down the line, which I don't think we're fully discounting uh, what the impact's going to be and how, you know, and, and, and on staffing, uh, on the survival. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether... Um, I, I, I told you I've just spoken to a friend of mine who's another another client of that yes. who's who's coming into a rental around the corner here and you know he says I can't I can't pay for it I can't sell my other flat you know I can't sell my other flat I can't take this one he wanted to move in to a beautiful new development and he says I can't do it because I can't sell my other property so when I start to when I put that all together uh, things are really rough and and hold on a sec it's not only affecting property. But it's affecting professionals as well. Mm. Um, a couple of friends who are um, lawyers, you know, have been under a lot of pressure. Advocates not yes. getting cases, you know, of course. And then doctors, doctors are operating. I mean, excuse the pun, um, at uh, probably fifty, sixty percent. Now, if you're running rooms, you know, and uh, at a hospital, and you've got four nurses or two nurses and a receptionist and everything, that margin hurts. You know, I don't care how wealthy you are and how wealthy we think doctors are. It filters through the economy. So what we're seeing, you know, what I'm seeing now suggests still a lot of hardship and not only at the low end of the market. My brother's a very prominent dentist in the United Kingdom. He's retired now, but his wife is a dentist as well, and she runs the practice. And if they maybe serviced 
20, mm. 25 people a day. They're now servicing because they've only just opened up in the United Kingdom. The dentist practice, mm. the dentists are allowed to practice again. It's only five to six people a day. Now they've been off, off work for two months and yeah. now they're getting, getting back to maybe mm. 25 to 30 percent of what they used to service. So obviously their mm. income is going down. You know, we mm. does, mustn't feel sorry for them because they've been torturing <laughs> us. They've been torturing <laughs> us for a lot of money for a number of years. So I don't feel sorry for him or her. But on the other hand it just tells you something and a tiny little example my dear daughter in Craighall Park Annabelle yeah. who's uh, 23 years old she ha she's just graduated from Vitz University and now she's got a job at an art gallery and bookshop and everything but uh, she's still got the job but they've had to cut her wages by 50% so this is a girl yeah. that goes out there at the yeah. age of 23 she mm. goes out and she buys things she goes for a drink yeah. she, mm. she mm. has a, a, a takeaway here and there and, mm. and she does stuff mm. that, that filters mm. down into the local economy so mm. we mustn't underestimate the effect that no. is still going on no I think that's why there is a disconnect um, there is a disconnect between the market. I must refer you to something and look yes. at my tweet. It was sent to me by my brother, Ach, by my son Jonathan in, in Australia. Australia. It's a 1954 Templeton letter. Yes. Written by John Templeton. This is long, this is long before Unit Trust started. He was an investment manager and it's his letter. And what he refers to is that the stock market went up at a time where industrial production was going down. Okay. And what he does, he tries to explain why the market went up at a time where the data, you know, which was obviously very important from their point of view, uh, industrial production, was going the other way around. <laughs> so, and he goes on to explain that uh, interest rates were unappealing and uh, there was a lot of liquidity. You know, he said, I, he says, uh, when people say to you why the market's going up, you know, they're more buyers and sellers. We always use that. You know, why did the market go up? Oh, there are more buyers and sellers. He says, in mm. essence, that was the truth here. And uh, there seemed to be a lot of liquidity. People had to put their money somewhere. Uh, they didn't want to put it in the bond market, and therefore they put it in the equity market. So he explains it. And as you go through, you say, hold on a sec, this could be 2020. You know, this, this letter could be 2020. And I think that's why someone pulled it out and sent it to my son, you know, who subsequently sent it to me. Uh, and that explains, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing we've got at the moment where um, it's, it's, it's difficult to reconcile what's happening at ground level with, with where markets are. Yes, there's nothing you know, new. There's nothing new in this world. Only the history we uh -huh. don't know yeah. is what uh, Mr. Truman said, <laughs> President Truman. And so things that were uh, thrown at us are just merely manifestations of what has what has happened in the past. Mm, past, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. What do we have today? We had uh, Alexander Forbes came out with numbers. It's not a company I look at a lot, actually. No, no, I you, used to. You don't. Yeah, but you don't anymore. Uh, Grindle no, Shipping, no. RCL Foods came out with a, a trading yeah. update. Fortress. Fortress REIT further operational update. The share price up 16%. Justified or not? <laughs> well, that's crazy. I mean, I, what is value? I don't know. I don't, you know, a lot of these shares, admittedly, it might, might have been sold down to levels which the market thought were ridiculously low, and we've seen a bounce off those. Uh, if we still assess where we are on an annual basis, I mean, annual meaning, sorry, from calendar basis, from the yes. 1st of January, you know, the, the, that sector has still been hurt um, terribly. But there does seem to be, Lindsay, there's, a lot, there's money coming to, to the market now. We see unusual 
uh, movements. You know, I mean, we I called Cecil completely wrong, and and when when I when I when I called Cecil, you know, people you, people say, "What do you think of Cecil?" You I say, sound you've, you, you've, this is the second time you've, you've you've mentioned this. Are you guilty about the fact that you didn't no, buy no, Cecil no, when no. it was twenty, thirty, forty, fifty uh, well, rand per share, and it's now one hundred and seventy? Well, in a way, I'm not guilty, and I'm not even defending myself. What my defence was then? Why look for trouble? Yes. There's so many other shares that you can buy, you know, who are not in trouble. Why do you want to look for a troubled company? You know, a company that's still not got to negotiate another, you know, still got issues ahead of it. If you look at so. their results, and why? Why I bring that up is that I'm saying the same thing about property trusts and a lot of other businesses. You know, these are still troubled areas. They've still got lots of issues ahead. Why do you want to delve there when you can find businesses? And I'm talking particularly offshore, which are in good shape. You know, there are a lot of businesses that are in good shape. Why do you want to delve into companies that are not in good shape where you actually can't forecast what they're going to look like in a few months' time? And Sassel is just going up 16% per day. You know? And I'm saying, okay, you know, <laughs> I'm not the buyer and I'm not quite sure why it's going up like that. The same way with Fortress. Look, we can look overseas as well and look at Boeing. Boeing's just put on another 10, 15% today. You know, against the backdrop of the issues that they're finding, which is not really selling aeroplanes. I don't understand why it's going up that that, that amount, because I I, I, I saw something on the BBC this morning. They had a chap at at an airport, Stansted Airport, and they said, well, the the Dublin flight has just come in, the flight from Eindhoven in the Netherlands has just come in, and that is the last flight that will be allowed to go into the UK that will not have to um, subject its passengers to a two-week Lockdown. In other uh, words, if lockdown. you fly to the UK now, you can fly there, certainly, but you mm. have to go into a private residence and sit there for two weeks doing absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing, yeah. So the, the, at Heathrow, for example, they normally have 220,000 passengers per day going through that airport, which is a lot of people. At mm. the moment, it's five to 7,000. After this new two-week rule, it's probably going to go down to 2,000. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so why is Boeing going up? <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't I can't explain that. And uh it's it's a similar incident. You know, there are a lot of things that we can't explain. Um I've never seen it in my life before where you know Cecil was up Friday afternoon eighteen percent. We're not talking one percent. I can understand one percent. You know, I can understand two percent, that's our market, but this is eighteen percent. So there's somebody there that's extremely aggressive about this and buying up chunks. Or extremely you know, stupid. If you had to speak yeah, well, I don't know. If you spoke to your mates, John Bickard, and you spoke to Wayne McCurry, and you spoke to people who control institutional funds, I control private funds, so I don't, yes. I'm not in that same area. But would I pay up, you know, would they pay 18% higher for Sassel? No, they wouldn't. You know, Wayne wouldn't do it. They'd, they'd be very cautious about how they go along. So you're trying to get, why I bring up Sassel, it's 18% Fortress, 17% Redefine. 17%. Then you go to something like Ascendus. Now, the last company on earth that you want to buy is Ascendus. 16%. You know, PPC, 13%. I mean, these are huge moves on a, you know, in a, in a, in a market. Now, redefine, excuse me. From, just let me just add, yeah. add one to you today. At 11.39 this morning, Redefined Properties came out with a cautionary announcement. The share price currently, up nearly 18% on the day. Yeah. Come on now, this is not a stock no, market, well, this is a casino. No. So if you look at these businesses, yes, on a 
on a year to date they're down a bit they they're still half the price that they were or down fifty percent that they were at the beginning of the year. Um, we don't know whether they're going to pay their dividends. We don't know whether they're earning enough to pay any kind of yield at all. You know, we don't know whether they're what the value of their underlying properties is. You know, they can they can assume it is. They can get a valuation, but we don't know because we don't know the shape of the South African economy. You know, this economy can be in a lot worse shape. And as I'm giving you anecdotal evidence, you can't sell a property at the moment. You know what I mean? You can't sell properties. So how can you value a property? And it's those kind of things that are saying that are, that are that are troubling me. I know this is a game, you know. It it it's run by the money that flows into pension funds and provident funds and so on. But um, I'm not sure, you know. I'm not sure whether those particular provident funds, the people who are collecting the money, are really being as aggressive as uh, as this. So I'm, I'm I'm finding it very difficult to tap into. You know, who's running the money at the moment? There, there are a lot of smart chaps on, on Twitter and, and social media. They well, know everything. Vocal, you know? not necessarily smart, well, but certainly well, vocal. It, it, yeah, I know. Why I say that is that because with so many smart people running this world, you know, mm. why, why we've got the kind of politics that we do have. <laughs> and, and funny enough, most of them are anonymous, you know, so you don't really know who they are, but they've got all the ideas in the world. <laughs> they know everything. Well, if they knew everything, then why don't just keep it to themselves and make their own money and have a quiet time? Why did they have to put it out on Twitter apart from to annoy people? Now, David, I, I've always thought that the great South African story or the great sad South African story is a company mm. called Breit. And yes. it, it came up today. Now, have a look at this. Yeah. Breit disposes of 63.1% shareholding in Iceland Foods, voluntary NAV update, that's net asset value update, financial year ended 31st of March. The share yeah. price is 4 rand a share. It was 170 rand a share. But the share price today up 33%. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's well, a, a small volume and it's, a, it, it's off a very, 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 very low base. But that tells you something about the arrogance of the South African boardroom over the last few years. And I'm yeah. not being nasty. Yeah. I'm just stating no, a fact. You're not. No, you're not. I, I, it, it's very sad. You know, it's, I, I remember when they came to me after they had bought New Look and they'd bought, um, they had their exposure in Virgin Active and Iceland and Premier. Um, I'm not sure what else they had. And they were, they were refined chaps from the right schools with the right education. They had all the qualifications. And yes. They sounded like an impressive bunch. Um, I, I, I still remember the conversation about where New Look was going to go to. You know, the, the person who was running New Look had vast experience in, in retail, particularly in women's fashion. And the idea was expand into, expand into China and, you know, they were going to knock the Chinese market out. Well, that was it. You know, subsequent to that, they've just gone one way. And, and it's sad that they could have lost as much money as they did. And, um, it is, you know, I, I, I just feel saddened by what's happened and it's particularly the people that they, they followed. But they're only one of a number of companies in the South African market. You call it arrogance that have lost billions with impunity. Yes. By impunity, they, so what? We just shrug it off. You know, we just, we just absolutely shrug it off. So what? Journal entry, write down the investment. Let's get on with it. And and so it goes. And uh, yes, I'd, love to, I, I'd love them to, yeah. to write to their shareholders and say what a write down mm -hmm. means. We mm -hmm. 
were 170 rand a share. Uh, we had uh, you investing in via your mm. pension fund or via your <laughs> asset manager mm. or via your uh, independent financial advisor at 120, 130 rand a share. But we're <laughs> writing this down now. Uh, well, let mm. me write to you about the write down. What does that actually mean? What it means is okay. that you invested at 120 and we're now four mm. rand a share. How mm. dare mm. they? Well, it, well it, it's exactly like that. Now, I, I'm going to give it to you in the context that we know, okay, yes. that you and I know. You know, this is how we were. So you give me a 100 million rand portfolio. That's okay, good. that's very nice. Mm. Suddenly I blow it, and it's only worth 30 million rand. Okay? I lose 70 million. Why? Because I bought Brave. I bought uh, Sassel, which is still down to 50%. I, I'm telcom. looking at this on the screen. Telcom. I, I bought all of these. I bought Hyprop. I bought all these shares. Yeah. And I said, sorry, Lindsay, I've lost 70 million for you. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm writing it down. Okay. And we'll start again at 30. Okay. So I'm saying, you don't worry. We're starting again at 30. And next year, <laughs> next year things go up and they're 35. And I go and say, oh, Lindsay, you know, our portfolio is now 35 million. We're up, we're up nearly 20%, you know, on last year. <laughs> and that's, that's the equivalent. Now put it into that context. That's exactly what's happened with these companies that write down uh, these kind of amounts, um, you know, and, 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 and there are many of them where huge amounts have been lost. And I, and I bring up, you know, um, I'm just looking at the top end of the market here. Um, in the property companies, yes, circumstances. But um, there, there are a whole lot of other issues from Omnia to Sassel to Blue Label to, um, you know, to, to EOH. Uh, to, to Steinhoff, with huge tigers, tiger brains, massive amounts have been lost. And, and still, those people are still in charge. No one's lost their job. I don't think salaries have been cut. Uh, you know, no one's lost their salary. I'm looking at NAMPAC is 78% down year to date. You know, EOH 73%. And so we go down. Uh, Brait is still 60% down. City Lodge, well, that's not there. They, they're a good company, sadly, with, yes. with lockdown and issues. They, they've been hurt, I think, same as Togo. This is a, you, you've got a soft spot Lodge, for City Lodge. Yeah. You, you remember mm. Hans and, and mm. so what was it, a chap that started, Hans Enderley. He was, he was yeah. a really, really nice chap. I no, met him on several really occasions and he was very yeah. personable and he, he, he built a really good business. Mm. My question to you, which is um, actually going to be the, catalyst for a roundtable discussion I'm going to have with you and a couple of other people which I'm going to propose to you off air uh, how much of this is the world economy the South African economy and how much is it the inefficiency and arrogance which is a word that I'm coining not you, of the South African boardroom what we're seeing, what, what you've described I, over the last few minutes I think it's weighted towards the last group inefficiencies, arrogance um Shareholders' money. Mm. I could be very, I could be very good with shareholders' money. You know what? I could be wonderful, Me and too. I could take huge risks. You know what I mean? When it's your own money, it's a different. Other people's money. That that's, film with Danny yeah, DeVito. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. You know, with with other people's money, I can be as bold as that because all I can do is lose maybe my job and reputation. That's it. You know, uh, maybe that's all. And in many cases, people come back with their reputation, but they don't. They don't lose their. Uh, they don't lose their money. It's not their money that's at risk. And I think that's that's if if you know, I always the question I always ask, and 
it's the theoretical side of it is how do you choose good companies? I'm always asked that question. And the one thing is that you can't just do it by looking at a spreadsheet. You've got to understand the businesses. You've got to do it over time and form a relationship with that business so you know who's running it. You know who to trust and who not to trust. You know, you've, you've developed that understanding of the people on the other side. And that's, that's, that's paramount that you know who you're dealing, you know, you know who's handling the money. And many of these cases, I've, I've, I avoided Steinoff. I loved, I loved, um, Yosta. He was entertaining, but I never knew what he was doing. You know, yeah. I could never, I never get to grip. And at the end of the day, you say, listen, Leave that for someone else. I'm not going to go in there. He was very charismatic. And the point is that there was two things that I always remember about him. And number one was his his charisma. Number two, the way he Mm. rolled his R's. He used to roll his R's. And also certain other sycophantic Mm. commentators that used to suck (laughs) up to him. But I I, I don't know. He wasn't wasn't (laughs) real. And it was was all smoke and mirrors. No, I know. It was, it was, because what happened is from year to year, you couldn't understand. You couldn't go back and do the comparatives because everything changed. And that's why I said, I don't know. You know, I don't know what shape it is. You could never understand the shape. It was always being restructured and assets being moved around. And I, no, thank you very much. And those are the lessons you learn. But the other thing is that I always ask a question when companies expand. The best kind of expansion is organic. In other words, where you bolt on little businesses to existing companies or you grow organically. And I always ask the question, I'm saying, why did they do that deal? Did they want to do that deal or did these chaps fly in from London with fancy accents, nice suits and briefcases and sell it to them? You know, why? Why did you know, Fashini and Truworths and all these places, or certainly I think Truworths with office, why did they ever do that deal? Why did they buy a shoe, a shoe store? You know, what, what was it that attracted them? You know, was it someone came to them or did they say, oh, let's go look for but a shoe store? Why couldn't they see London? the trend? I mean, if, to, to certain mm-hmm. re- if they'd have gone to a proper retail analyst, even someone like Sid mm. Vianello in South Africa and said, what do you think about the UK high street? You no, would have said, well, no, no. unfortunately, it's going to be, it's <laughs> going to be denuded. It's going to no, be no, decimated no, no. by online. Why, d- mm. why didn't they go to people they like that? Just... They just thought, no, this is a lovely chain. It's making loads of money. Mm. The UK high street is is finished, and they invested well, at, in it three years ago, for goodness sake. Well, sure, look at Woolworths and David Jones. I mean, look at the kind of money that's been lost by corporate. It's corporate has been staggering. It's absolutely staggering. The two little boys who went into Blue Label, I mean, who went into Cell C. Mm. I mean, it's crazy. You know, why are you doing this? We've watched Cell C for 10 years now. They haven't made money. What do you think you're going to do? No, no, we've got all the answers. Two years later, five billion rand blown. And I still got their jobs. And I'm saying, hold on a sec. You know, who's, who's, <laughs> who's running this place? And, and it's not, they're not the only ones. I'm not, I'm seeing EOH. Everything was too good to be true with EOH. Every year they came out with results almost in the same shape as Madoff. If you looked at Madoff, nothing went wrong. And I used to look at them and say, hold on a sec. Every one of their divisions does well. There's never anything that goes wrong. That doesn't normally happen. And that's an alert. That's a red flag. When, when every division is doing well at a time when the industry is under pressure, mm. you know, other industrials are under pressure. You say, why are they doing well? And know what? then you start to say, hold on a sec. Be careful. Something's wrong here. So I, 
I, you know, to answer your question, I think a lot of the issues that we have had with businesses have had to do with uh, very, very poor choices by the CEOs. Okay, well, hopefully people will learn. The commodity companies, I believe, over the years have uh, made lots and lots of mistakes because yes. when their share prices go up and when the commodity prices yeah. on which they base their businesses are, go up, they buy things that are too expensive or inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And, but I think commodity companies in South Africa have learned their lesson. Yeah. Hopefully, South African-based domestic companies will learn as well. David, football. Yes. It's starting again soon. Is, mm, will it be the I same? Know. Will you will you still watch it? Will you watch a game between I, Spurs and Arsenal and, and say, well, there's no crowd, so I'm not going to watch it? What is what, what What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm looking I, forward to it myself. Of course I will. No, of course we'll watch it. Uh, whether we'll get emotionally involved is, is another issue. Mm. Um, you know, whether I think I think at the moment you just you just want to get the game over with. It's like uh, doing your closing entries on books of account, you know, to prepare them. I mean, so you know, you just these are the, this is the final throws of of a year of business. But I, I, I you know, I, and and the, the other worry is what happens next year. When do we ever watch soccer? What's going to happen with the uh, uh, UEFA Cups? What's going to happen with those issues? You know, is it still going to have the same attraction? Well, I, I don't, can't even I don't know if I'm I can't ever even get... name the Arsenal side. I promise you, you know that. Uh, well, I don't even know who plays for them anymore. Well, of course you don't, because it changes every week, and they've also and they've all got unpronounceable names. But I was I was oh, saying to you off air no. before we started this conversation. I can't oh. imagine a situation in the near future where I'm going to be able to go to a football match. I live in Rotterdam and I like uh, my local club, which is uh, mm. Sparta Rotterdam. Well, there's two local clubs, Sparta Rotterdam and Feyenoord. I can't imagine a time in the next year that I'm going to be able oh. to go to the ground, oh, no. have a beer, go into the oh, stadium, no. shout abuse at the opposing supporters and have some fun and watch a game. I just can't, I can't oh, imagine oh, yeah. it anymore, which is very distressing mm. to me. No, of course it is. It's 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 the worst. I mean, a year ago I was in London with my son, just a, just a May, you know, watching uh, watching Arsenal their last game, etc. And I, I, it was such good fun. I mean, it is good whole, fun. The whole, the whole. But I must I must say to you, just on a in note of that, I mm. I had to write an article for Friday for Business Day. Yes. And I remember an incident that I'd had it, that I'd written a book by Billy Bremner. I still got the Leeds, it. The Leeds United uh, captain. Right? The Leeds United he, he captain, that little United. Scottish chap. Yeah, he died. He died prematurely. And, uh, but he had John Lorimer in there as well, who was also Scottish, had an incredible boot. But I was just reading, and there was a wonderful incident that happened there that, uh, that Billy recalled, which I wrote in the article, was that, yes. uh, you know, the Italian sides at that stage were, they were elegant. They were, Italy, Italy played the most beautiful soccer. Mm. And they, uh, I think through the connection of John Charles. Remember John Charles played for John Charles Juventus? was an England um, centre back, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yes. But he played for Juventus, and he was he was he was like a star forward. Not many people were invited to play for the Italian sides, and he played. And I think through that connection, they played an invitation game to mark a special occasion for Juventus. I think it was Juventus, although he might not have mentioned the club. I'm assumed it was Juventus. Anyway, what happened is that uh, uh, Juventus, obviously being a much better side, um, lost 1-0 to yes. Leeds. And at the game, at the at the event afterwards, the chairman of Juventus got up and he went on for a half an hour talking about why 
Juventus had lost. And old Billy Bremer got up, you know, and being Scottish and to the point, he says, Mr. Chairman or Mr. President, I'll tell you why you lost. We put the ball in the back of the net and you didn't. Simple as that. And and, and, and and for me I've used that I've used that uh, impalance here, you know, all over in the stock market. You know, we put the board in the back of the net, you didn't. So <laughs> His name was William John Charles. He was born on the 27th of December 1931. He died on the 21st of February 2004, so very recently. He was a Welsh international footballer. Mm. I thought he was English, who played for Leeds United and Juventus during his 25-year playing career, rated by many as the greatest all-round footballer ever to come from Britain. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. He was a great, great, and and they didn't, you, you know, very few people played in the on the continent in those days. No, and you had to be really good, and he was really good. <laughs> he certainly was, David. Thank you very much for your time this mm-hmm. evening. I've kept you too long. That's uh, David. Was, oh, by the way, you came out with uh, your company, Sasvin, came out with a trading statement or a cautionary announcement or something today. I saw. Uh, what can you tell us about that? No, I think, I think as expected, I see, and I'm, I'm quoting that the, that results will be down by 20%. Oh, is that uh, it? Yeah. Things are tough here. I see <laughs> the shares are up now. They've been hammered unnecessarily. But anyway, listen, they're well capitalized, which is what I look for. You know, have they got enough capital to mm. get them through this period? Maybe you should work a little bit harder just to, just to boost mm. them a little bit. David, thank you very much for your time. It's David <laughs> Shapiro, Deputy <laughs> Chairman of Sasson Securities in Miro's Arch. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.